What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. We're trying to help you win leagues here. That's what we're trying to do. Week 9, we're going to get into these game previews. Going to go over 7 games today. Going to go over the other 7 games in tomorrow's episode. But I'm going to go in-depth into all the matchups. Talk about every fantasy-relevant player over the next 2 podcasts. So make sure you, you, you listen to this before you finalize those lineups. So that we can really help you out here. Alright. Um, Thursday night's game has a little bit more intrigue to it. Because of the Mike White experience. <laughs> Jets fans are excited about the Mike White experience, as they should. I mean, what have they been, you know, what had have they had this year outside of before game one? Outside of Mike White. My man's game jersey and game ball is in Canton. They literally have his jersey in the Hall of Fame right now because he set the record for most completions uh, for uh, for for a quarterback in his first start. With 37 completions. Now, to get that many completions, it helps if you're throwing it to your running backs. And he did just that. Including the game where he took over for Zach Wilson. He's thrown at running backs for a 42% target share. That helped Michael Carter catch 9 of 14 for 95 yards last week. Ty Johnson for uh, 5 for 71 in a touchdown. And the week before, Carter caught 8 for 67. And Ty Johnson went 6 for 65. Now, Carter has really, you know, taken over this backfield as of late. On top of those 14 targets he had on Sunday, he also had 15 carries to go with it and was on the field for 70% of snaps. So, that's elite usage right there. So, you know, regardless of the matchup, he is in your lineup as an RB1. Especially with Mike White behind center because he he's peppering his running backs. Now, you might be surprised. like Mike, Michael Carter, RB1, I mean, he's an RB1 right now. I'm not saying he's going to be an RB1 rest of the season, but... The type of usage that he saw last week, especially the targets. Like if he saw 14 targets and zero carries, that's a borderline RB1 right there. Right? So, on top of that, he had 28 opportunities. So, here we go. Going into Thursday night, he is a very, very solid option. Um, Ty Johnson can potentially be a PPR flex for you. The targets will, will likely still be flowing to the running backs. And even though he's not getting a ton of snaps, he's at least being targeted on the routes he is running. Um, I honestly don't think the matchup matters here a whole lot for these running backs. The Colts are allowing less than four yards per carry, but it, it's really not about that here. Um, it doesn't look like Corey Davis is playing, so I'd run Jamison Crowder out there as a low-end wide receiver three in PPR. He was the only wide receiver, Jamison Crowder, to get some targets from White. So it was the running backs, and it was Crowder. Now, the Colts are middle of the pack in allowing fantasy points to slot wide receivers, but overall, they haven't been great at limiting wide receivers if it's not on, you know, Xavier Rhodes' side of the ball. Um, I mean, Xavier Rhodes hasn't necessarily played that well as of late, um, but the Colts are still kind of shutting that left side down. Um, the defense is right side, the offense is left side. Um, Isaiah Rogers, who's been kind of playing behind Xavier Rhodes, he's been a little bit promising. Maybe they make a switch there at some point. I don't know. Um but Elijah Moore is a stash. I don't really feel comfortable playing him because of the fact that his route participation was so low on Sunday. He ran a route on less than 40% of dropbacks. He ran most of his routes uh, on that left side where the Colts have played well. Now, the positive for Moore was that he was targeted on more than 30% of his routes. So if his routes go up this week, maybe that con- connection continues and the raw targets do come up. Um, but, you know, he's like a stash for Thursday night. 
Um, and, you know, if you play on Sleeper, if you play on Yahoo, if it doesn't work out, drop them, pick up somebody else. Um, a lot of people are asking whether they should stream Mike White. I'm going to say no, unless you're desperate. He looked good, but it was one start. Uh, Carson Wentz is a streamer, even though the Jets' defense has looked pretty good. If I had to stream one, it's probably Wentz uh, because of him getting it done for the most part for fantasy on a larger sample size. Um, Michael Pittman breaking out right before our eyes this season. They did a pretty good job against the Bengals wide receiver as a whole. But the targets you know, will probably be funneled towards Pittman again with T.Y. Hilton out. Right Last week, going towards Higgins, Chase, Boyd was even involved. Um, but I can see the targets being funneled towards Pippen, Pippen in double digit targets last week. Um, keep him in your lineups as a wide receiver too. Jonathan Taylor, he's an RB one. The Jets have a decent run defense, but overall they allow running backs to score a, a shit ton of fantasy points against them. The most in the league. So obviously he's in your lineup as well. Um, let's move on to the Texans at the Dolphins. The Dolphins are favored by seven points, 45 and a half over under. Uh, Brandon Cook's target share has been dropping over the past two games, was at 24% two weeks ago, which is good, and then 17% this past week, but got it done. He caught he caught all six of his targets for 83 yards and a touchdown. Um, the targets have been a bit more distributed lately. Nico Collins getting a bit, Danny Amendola um, over the last two weeks. The tight ends are getting involved. Um, now, Xavier Howard hasn't been playing well as of late. He is expected to shadow Brandon Cooks. I'd still play Cooks as a low-end wide receiver, too. Um, he'll have his duds, but Miami has given up so many fantasy points to wide receivers that it's going to be tough to leave them out of your lineup. Um, actually, they're giving up the most fantasy points to wide receivers over the last four weeks. Now, the Texans' backfield is a shit show. They traded away Mark Ingram, and David Johnson was still nowhere to be found. They brought in Rex Burkett to lead that backfield, and it's still a four-man committee. So if you pick up if you picked up David Johnson last week, he could be dropped. Devontae Parker looked good last week in his return. Uh, Houston has given up the third most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers over the last four weeks, so he's a good start. I saw him as a high wide receiver three this week. Same with Waddle, probably around the same. Uh, Houston has been one of the better teams against slot wide receivers, so temper expectations, but Waddle should be in most lineups. Now, Miami has been using a ton of 12 personnel lately, two tight end sets, so that means two wide receivers on the field, so there is no slot there. So Waddle is actually lining up outside a lot, so he'll... You know, he's also going to benefit from that soft perimeter matchup on about 30 to 50% of his routes, depending on what they do. Um, so Miles Gaskin's role didn't increase with Malcolm Brown on IR, as I expected it would. Instead, they just elevated Patrick Laird, um, and he got enough scraps to keep Gaskin from a solid floor, even in PPR. Now, this is a good matchup, but I wouldn't even call Gaskin an RB2 right now. He's more of a PPR flex. He has upside, but he doesn't really have a solid floor. The, the Houston matchup looks good on paper, but the Dolphins don't run the ball. They're a pass-first team in every situation, um, and they've actually, you know, the the Houston has actually allowed the fourth-least receiving yards to running backs this season. Uh, Mike Gusecki's targets dropped to an 11% target share. Uh, it was 20% each of the two previous weeks. Now, it's possible that it had to do with Devontae Parker's return. Um, we'll see. For now, I continue to start him as a solid tight end one. Um, his routes did come up, his route participation, so that's great. Um, hopefully that, that sticks, and if that does stick, then the targets will come. Okay, moving on to the Broncos at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are favored by by 7.5 points, 50 point over under. Um, my guess is that there will be more volume than usual 
for the Broncos passing offense in this game. The over-under is at 50 points, and Dak will likely be back. Maybe Michael Gallup as well. So the Cowboys have a good shot at points this week. Cortland Sutton will likely be shadowed by Trevon Diggs, and the hope is that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't stay away from him. Like, Sutton can win the matchup, you know, as a lot of wide receivers have shown. But quarterbacks have to be willing to send the ball Diggs' way, right? And you, you, t- you, you think about all the interceptions he's had. I'm not sure that Teddy, <laughs> you know, feels comfortable, you know, consistently throwing it towards Diggs. Uh, but who knows? You know, I am starting Sutton as a high-end wide receiver three. Uh, Jerry Judy does have a tough matchup out of the slot. The Cowboys have given up the least fantasy points to slot wide receivers this year. Now, that didn't stop Chris Godwin or Keenan Allen from doing their thing earlier in the year. So this matchup isn't a death sentence for Judy. I'd start him as a high and wide receiver three right under Sutton for this week. Noah Fand is on the COVID list, and if he can't go, Albert O will get a huge opportunity this week. He'll likely have 100% route participation, um, so that would make him a solid streamer. Um, he, he was targeted on 25% of his routes last week, so Teddy is looking for him. It's a good matchup too, so he's, he, he's probably the stream of the week for tight ends. Again, nothing really changed in the Broncos' backfield. These guys are both flex plays uh, with Gordon as the preferred back as he's getting a bit more usage in all categories. Now, on the other side of the ball, um, I'd be starting both CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper as wide receiver twos this week. Looks like Amari is back healthy after the bye. He looked good last week. The matchup is fine this week. Uh, Zeke is at RB1. Uh, Von Miller was PFF's third best graded edge run defender, and he's gone to the Rams. So my guess is that Denver's rush defense, you know, will take a little bit of a hit. They've still managed to be in the bottom 15 in rushing yards allowed to running back, so this isn't a bad matchup for Zeke. Dak Prescott, solid QB1 start. Dalton Schultz, it looks like he's going to play, by the way, Dak. Um, He's practicing as he normally would. Uh, Dalton Schultz, we'll see. Like, we know that him and Dak have a nice rapport, but I do wonder if his routes go down. I've talked about this for several weeks now, but I do wonder if his routes go down with Michael Gallup back this week. Um, it hasn't been at ideal levels all season in terms of like his route participation, uh, but he was just being targeted at a high rate you know, on the routes that he was running. It wasn't sustainable given his production, uh, but we were riding it because it was working. So I guess you can continue to ride it until you see the wheels fall off. Okay, moving on to the Vikings at the Ravens. The Ravens are favored by 5.5 points, 49 point over under. Dalvin Cook, he's in your lineup as a high-end RB1. Kirk Cousins, he's streamable if you need him, um, especially if the Ravens go up in this game. Baltimore isn't necessarily a death sentence to quarterbacks this year. Um, Justin Jefferson was banged up last week, but I am playing him if he's active this week. Both him and Thielen run routes like from every spot, and the Ravens have some holes in that secondary. They've allowed the second-most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers over the last four weeks. And these guys are on the outside for about 70 to 75% of their routes. Um, the slot hasn't been great either, you know, like if you look at throughout the year. So this isn't a matchup I'd really be worried about. Um, Marlon Humphrey likely won't be shadowing either. And we've seen Marlon Humphrey take some hits over the past couple weeks. Tyler Conklin has, has been solid over the last two games. Three for 71 in week six. Had the bye in week seven. And then five for, five for 57 on seven targets last week. So... If you need a streamer, you know, I don't see why not, especially given the fact that the Ravens have allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends this year. They've given up the fourth most receiving yards and the sixth most receptions. Um, They've given up the most touchdowns, and teams are targeting their tight ends at the fifth highest rate against the Ravens. So, yes. Now, if you look at Waller, 
and Kelsey, you know, they obviously had something to do with that because they played them earlier in the year, so and they killed it against them. But CJ Ozama, 91 yards and two touchdowns. Jared Cook got a touchdown. Noah Fant was targeted 10 times and scored a touchdown against them. It's a thing. It's a thing for tight ends to do their thing against Ravens. Now, on the Ravens side, you're starting Lamar as a high-end QB1. Um, I'm not starting anyone in this backfield. Um, you're starting Marquise Brown as a borderline wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. He's pretty much matchup independent, um, and this is a decent matchup for him. Now, Rashad Bateman, he can be started as a flex if Sammy Watkins is out. Watkins didn't practice on Wednesday, but keep an eye out on his practice status on Thursday and Friday. Bateman ran about on about 80% of dropbacks before the bye, which is a great sign for him. Keep him stashed if you're not starting him. Um, this offense can support multiple receivers. Notice I said that we're not starting any of these running backs. Okay, that has shifted a bit. Um, continue to start Mark Andrews as a high-end tight end one. Uh, tough matchup, but still starting him. Moving on to the Patriots at the Panthers. The Patriots are favored by three points, 43 point over under. This seems like a defensive battle to me. Um, the Patriots defense has been playing well. So has the Panthers defense. So who knows if Sam Darnold will play? He might not. It is possible P.J. Walker gets the start. I, I don't see this game being you know conducive to a ton of fantasy points unless it's for fantasy defenses, but that's just me. Uh, Damian Harris can be started as an RB2. He's obviously touchdown dependent, um, but he scored five touchdowns over the last four games. That's great. Uh, but it's going to come to an end soon. I'd recommend flipping Harris, if you have him, for a better running back um, who actually plays a role in the receiving game. Like, look at the stretch that he's had. Like, now is a good time to sell. Um, maybe not a one-for-one, one, but maybe a two-for-one while you're adding a bit of spice to the deal for an upgrade at running back. Um, but while you have him, start him. Um, he's a good bet for some volume in this game, even if it's not the best matchup. Now, Zeke and Dalvin Cook both both had solid production on the ground against them. You know, the key the key here is just to get volume. And I think Damian Harris could potentially do that this, this week. Jacoby Myers is a low-end PPR wide receiver three. The Panthers have let up a, a bit against slot wide receivers over the last four weeks. But overall, they've been pretty good with A.J. Bouye there. If you're starting Hunter Henry, you're praying for a touchdown. Uh, he's a good bet for a touchdown. But he's not really a dependable start. Um, no more than two catches or four targets in each in any of the last three games. Um, on the other side, uh, no word on whether Christian McCaffrey will play this week. If he's active, he's in my lineup. No no questions really asked there. If he's not active, Chuba Hubbard is a RB2. The Patriots have allowed the 10th most fantasy points to running backs over the last four games, the 8th most rushing yards to running backs, the 2nd most receiving yards on the 3rd most receptions, um, on the most targets <laughs> over these last four games. Eckler, Michael Carter, Zeke all torched them through the air over the past few games. Even You know, you even had David Johnson with five catches, Gaskin with five catches against them as well. Um, Carolina just needs to keep the game close for the volume to be there for Hubbard, and I think their defense, assuming that Christian McCaffrey's not playing, um, but you know, I think their defense, the Panthers' defense, will be able to keep this game close. Um, you know, unless their offense makes too many mistakes. The key is to kind of keep some drives drives together. DJ Moore, you know, he's doing his best to hold it down over the last four weeks during a terrible stretch for Sam Darnold. Uh, PJ Walker, you know, didn't look great in his time under center this year, to be honest, but he at least looked for more more often than not. Uh, Moore is still a high-end wide receiver to, to play regardless. Uh, the Patriots have allowed the fifth most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers over the last four weeks, the third most fantasy points to wide receivers overall over the last four weeks. So, still going to start him. 
Both of these fantasy defense, like I said, should be started this week, especially the Patriots. All right, moving on to the Bills and the Jaguars. The Bills are favored by 14 points in Jacksonville. That's crazy. 48.5 over under. Uh, Josh Allen is in as a high in QB1. Stephon Diggs is in as a high as, as a wide receiver one. Now, his target share isn't elite right now. He's not being targeted downfield a whole lot over the last three games. There's no doubt he's been a bit underwhelming this year, right? He's also not running a route on every single dropback, which is strange to me. 80% rate over the past few weeks, like he should be at like 90% plus. The good thing is that he's on a pass-heavy offense, so that can make up for it. The Jaguars this week... By the way, the matchup, Jaguars have allowed the sixth most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers over the last four weeks. So both him and Emmanuel Sanders have good matchups. Now, Sanders had the goose egg last week, but I'm going back to the well with him. You know, this week as a wide receiver three in a good matchup. The 10% of targets last week was down from the 20% he had uh, the couple weeks before that. Now, Cole Beasley is benefiting from Dawson Knox being out. If he's out again, uh, Beasley is a wide receiver to start. If Knox is back, Beasley is a boom-bust flex. The Bills are just running more 10 and 11 personnel without Knox, and that resulted in Beasley seeing nine targets and 13 targets over the last two games. And, you know, he has a high catch percentage, and, you know, he's going to be able to do his thing um, if he's getting targeted. Um, This is a tough overall matchup for the Jaguars. You know, if James Robinson goes this week, I'd start him as a borderline RB1. Um, Hyde would be an RB2 if Robinson can't go. Um, it's, it's a tough matchup, obviously, but the targets, you know, have gone in the direction of running backs lately. And that includes Hyde last week with Robinson banged up and, you know, like Hyde basically played the Robinson role while Robinson was out last week. Um, the wide receivers have a tough matchup too. Buffalo is probably the toughest matchup against wide receivers in the league right now when it comes to fantasy. Um, you know, Jamal Agnew's matchup in the slot is the best among the terrible. So if you're desperate, sure. Um, Agnew has received a 23%, a 15%, and a 20, 21% target share over the last three weeks, so that's not bad, um, especially on an offense that's been passing the ball. Um, Dan Arnold is a streamer if you need one at tight end. He's been targeted on about 20% of his routes. He ran a route on about 75% of dropbacks twice over the last two weeks. I got the hiccups over here. <laughs> I'm <laughs> drinking some water. Um, but yeah, so Daniel might actually become like a guy you actually start start playing on a weekly basis. So he could turn into like a, a legit like low-end tight end one. He could potentially be someone you just leave in your lineup every single week if you don't want to be, you know, streaming. He'll be a low-end tight end one, but, you know, it might be better for you to play him every week than to, to, to stream. But just keep an eye out on um, on his usage over the next couple weeks. All right, let's talk about the Browns at the Bengals. Uh, two and a half over under. I'm sorry, two and a half. The Bengals are favored by two and a half here. 46 point over under. Uh, no OBJ for the Browns this week, most likely. So I'd expect Jarvis Landry to get a high target share. He's historically had good games with OBJ out. And at the very least, he'd get some volume. You know, he's a high-end wide receiver three for the rest of the season if Odell isn't going to play for them. And it doesn't look like he will. OBJ played last week, and Landry still had a 32% target share, 53% of air yards, too. That's legit. So I'm, I'm not worried about this matchup against the Bengals. Um, Nick Chubb is an RB1 start this week. You know, hopefully he gets more volume than he got last week. Dearness Johnson was involved some, unfortunately. Um, you know, but it's possible it was because it was Chubb's first game back from injury. You know, hopefully that's, that was the case. Who knows? Um, because it would be, it would suck if, if Kareem Hunt gets hurt and then like Nick Chubb doesn't get a, a huge uptick in work. 
right? Um, but let's hope he gets some more volume, you know, in a great matchup. Uh, Joe Mixon should be started as an RB1. The Browns have given up the 10th most rushing yards over the last four weeks. As long as this game stays close, Mixon should get volume, and that's what counts. I'm starting Jamar Chase as a wide receiver one. T. Higgins as a low-end wide receiver two every week. Um, Cleveland has given up the fifth most fantasy points to wide receivers over the last four weeks. The seventh most to perimeter wide receivers over the last four weeks, so that helps both Chase and Higgins. Um, Tyler Boyd, you know, has a good matchup too, but you know, and he did well last week, but he'll likely be left out most weeks, so he's a flex boy. CJ Ozama doesn't scream streamer this week, but he can be streamed. You know, he has some big games here and there, not dependable, although his route participation did increase this week to above 80%. Um, so I'll monitor that to see if it stays there. Joe Burrow is a solid start this week. The Browns have actually given up the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks over the last four weeks. And that's it. Seven games right there. We're going to go over another seven games in tomorrow's episode. Make sure you tune in for that. Enjoy Thursday Night Football tonight. Uh, if, if you could subscribe to the podcast, that would mean the world to me. I would really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I really appreciate the engagement on Instagram. By the way, I am on Instagram at Upper Hand Fantasy, so go check me out there. Uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. See ya.